0: Glad that you're here, and uh, what an awesome, awesome crowd we had for our very first service at, at the 9.15 hour, and this is a great crowd here for our 11 o'clock hour, and just thank you for being here. After 10 years of setting up and tearing down, we're finally in a new building. And see, our desire here at Lake Point Church is to help people take their next step with God, and we want to see more people we want to see more people worship him. We want to see more people love him like we love him. We want people to learn more about who he is. And our job here is just the beginning. We're just getting started. And I can promise you, just because we're in this new building, we're not done. We're not finished. We didn't come here and thinking we've arrived. We realize that there's more to do There's more to do. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Now, i got to be honest with you. It's going to take several weeks for me and for a lot of us to get used to our new home. You know, right now, I feel like I'm the guest preacher at some other church. (laughs) But all my friends are with me. I see lots of my friends here. (laughs) It's going to take a couple weeks for me to get used to a new platform, new room, new space. But it won't take long before we start to feel comfortable here, and I'm ready to start making new memories, seeing new things happening. It's not just a new building. It's a new challenge for all of us. In fact, I want to challenge everyone here this morning. I want to challenge you to give us three weeks as we work out the glitches. You know, we we had some little issues this morning, you know, and, and it's going to happen. We're trying to figure out the parking. In fact, um, we, we're in progress right now to add more parking over here. And uh, we've got a lot of people parking across the streets. And uh, but next year, sometime, we'll have more parking. And uh, we're gonna do the best we can to make, accommodate as many people as possible here in this space. And uh, I wanna encourage you. Give us a couple of weeks, we'll work out the sound issues and any issues we might have. And not that it's been bad so far, it's been great. Just give us some time, and uh, if you're, yeah, just give it up for these guys. If you're a guest, i like to say, give us three weeks. You might be like, well, I'm just trying to figure out if this is our place. I say give us three weeks. Get to know us, get to know our church, get to know what we're all about, and uh, there are lots of ways to get connected. You can get connected right now. We have life groups, you know, all throughout the week. That's Start this week, life groups. Starting tomorrow night, so if there's a group tonight, there's no group tonight, but starting tomorrow night, we've got groups in homes, here, we've got some groups here, and throughout the week, encourage you to sign up on the back of your connection card, there's information about groups in your program, a little green paper that says life groups. All kinds of groups for you to choose from, and I challenge you to get connected. We have student programs for our kids, for those in sixth grade, to seniors, they meet tonight at 5.30 for the first time here. They're meeting in the South Hall. They're gonna have a pizza party. It'll be a great night. You don't want your kids to miss our program tonight at 5.30 to 7.30. We have a men's stakeout that's coming up in a couple of weeks on October 19th. More information in your program, and you can buy your tickets out in the lobby and invite you to be a part and celebrate, get to know other men. If we have food pantry ministry and uh, that does different things throughout the month, and I love to get involved, get connected in our food pantry. This past week, we have seen so much happen in this building, in this space, you know, getting this building ready. But one of the things that excites me the most, before our very first worship service today, we had the scriptures read in this building out loud from Genesis to Revelation. Throughout the halls in this room, the Word of God has been spoken as the foundation of what we stand for and what we believe. Because we're not built on a man's opinion. Everything we preach, everything that we sing is built on the solid Word of God. And we believe that the entire Word of God is the inspired Word of the Lord. And so we proclaim his word. We want to set the tone for what we believe. And God's word is infallible. God's word is everlasting. God's word has the authority. And God's word has the word of living truth and living hope of Jesus Christ. And I got tell, I'll tell you, some, some of those books that we had to read, they weren't easy. Some of our people had to take one for the team. You know, I mean, imagine reading Leviticus out loud, all right? And my wife and I, we had to read the book of Ezra, What's is a bunch of names in there, names that weren't easy to say, you know? I, got, I found myself saying the word Pokemon just out loud, you know? I just couldn't help it, you know? But we read the word of God as best as we could, the word of God here in this place. And so we can't wait to see what God is going to do. And this first Sunday, on our first day in this building, Most churches, when they move into a new building, the pastor usually recognizes all those who have had a part in making this possible. And we're going to do that at some point in in the near future where we have a dedication service. But today, on this first Sunday, I want to recognize, I want to recognize and honor only one individual, and that's God the Father. He's the one that made this all possible. Because without him, we couldn't have done this. We have a mission statement here at Lake Point Church, and it goes like this. We want to help people take their next step with God. We believe that every person has a next step to take. Whether you know God or not, you have a next step. If you don't know God today, we're going to invite you to to know him, and that's your next step. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with God, then we always challenge people, all of us, including me, that there is a next step in your spiritual walk to take. And so as we talk about God and taking our next step with God, I think a very important question, as we start off our new location here at Lake Point, we answer the question, who is God? Who is he? And I believe that this message, series for the next few weeks will be one of the most important series that we talk about here at Laypoint. You see, your spiritual growth is measured by your depth of understanding of the attributes and the character of God. The more you know him, the more you grow in your spiritual walk. If you're taking notes, we have handout notes in your programs as you came in. And in your notes it says, as far as you know God is how far you will grow spiritually. It's how far you will go spiritually. I've heard a preacher say it one time like this. The more you know him, the more that you love him. And the more that you love him, the more you want to obey him and then serve him. And so, the more you know God, the deeper your relationship with God. Now, word to those who might be here seeking God. You don't have a relationship with him. You're here today, and we're glad that you're here. We're so thankful that you came, and you're here to try to figure out who God is and what he means for your life. You know, you're trying to figure out, is God a God who's concerned about an individual like me. And you wondered that, and you're here today. I hope that you'll be a part of this series because we, we want you to know three questions that you're probably already asking. Who is it that you're seeking after? Who is it that loves you? And who is it that you are rebelling against? Who is it that you are rebelling against? Who is God? But today, I want to look at three thoughts here about who God is. Three thoughts here. And if you're taking notes, here's the first thought. God is the comforter in difficult times. Comforter in difficult times. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Bible said, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been brokenhearted before? Man, I know I have. We've all been there. I know this sounds a little trivial, but when I was, uh, before I met my wife, you know, I was engaged to another lady. And uh, we had a, you know, I was, you know, thought we had a good thing going. And we went on a date. We were invited to go to a football game. And before I say what game it is, at this point in time, we were in Florida. I live in Florida. And I was serving at a church in Pensacola. Florida, and uh, I was invited to go to a football game at the Alabama football stadium, and I thought, you know, I'm not an Alabama fan, but, you know, I'll go to a game, and, and my fiance was an Alabama fan, so I said, you know, I'll go and support. I'm, you know, I'm close to, to you know, Michigan. Go Blue. That's me, okay? But I thought, you know, I'll go to the game. It's about a four or five-hour drive to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Tuscaloosa is in the middle of nowhere, all right? But you get there, and you've got this little college town, 100,000 rabid Alabama fans. I mean, rabid. I mean, you're in there. And I'm with my fiance, and we're with a couple other people, some of our friends, and we go to the game. And about halftime, she looks over at me out of nowhere. She looks at me and says, Scott, I'm breaking up with you. And in that moment, there was 100,000 people all around. I felt so alone in that moment. She looked at me, and she had this serious face, and I'm just trying to hear her. I said, am I hearing what you're telling me? She said, yes. Do you want the rain back now? I said, no, we'll do that later. You know, we've got to go home with people we know in the vehicle and talk about elephant in the car, right? Seriously, it was awkward. Awkward. I mean, I was broken-hearted over it. Now, it's all good, because I married the best thing that's ever happened. (laughs) If you were a part of the first service, I said, I married the next best thing that ever happened. I'm glad I had a do-over. Some of you have been brokenhearted. You know, that's trivial. You know, that's life. But man, some of you have been through some really difficult, broken situation. The Bible says our Lord is near the brokenhearted. He's a comforter. He's close to those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, one of the most beloved chapters in the Bible. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, That passage. I want you to read verse number four on the screen. It says, even though I walk through the valley, or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. By the way, the tip tips is staggering. I don't know if you know this or not, but one out of one people dies. You'll learn something new every day, right? All of us are going to experience death, all of us. And you know someone, maybe a loved one, maybe a dear friend, a family member, we've experienced death. But I want you to notice the word through in verse number four. The Bible says, I walk through the darkest valley. I walk through, and David said, I will feel no evil. How could he say that? How could he say I will fear no evil? He says, for you are with me. Our God is a comforter. He knows all about it. He knows exactly where you're at. He is not more somewhere else and less near you. You have all of God everywhere you go in the presence of God, even in the difficult, dark times of your life. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's waiting to comfort us. But here's the second thing about God that I want you to know about. God is the strength that we need. He's the power that we need. We have access to the power of God, the power of God. But oftentimes, we don't access the power. We don't plug into the power that God has for us. In fact, oftentimes, we underestimate the power of God. Now, when I live in Florida, by the way, I'm from here, you know, so I lived here for a while, then, and then I went to Florida for about a good 20 years of my life, and I was suffering for Jesus through ministry on the beaches of Florida, it's nice. It's hard life to live, hard life to live, you know, and, uh, especially when I can swing a golf club in January. It is a tough life, tough life. But that's where I live for a little while. And, uh, but down there, you know, everything, all the little critters, all the bugs and insects, there's something in the water down there because they're much bigger than they are up here. And um, so, I mean, they just everywhere. You know, think of spiders up up here. And Daddy, long lad, that's no big deal And the little spider. Talk about spiders. I've seen some spiders that, you know, give you the heebie-jeebies, all right? <laughs> hey, you know, we talk about lizards. You wake up in the morning, and uh, you look up on your ceiling, and you got a lizard just crawling up on your ceiling. And, and I, you know, it doesn't bother me too much, but I don't like to catch them, so I tell, I tell Karen, Karen says, look at the lizards, go catch them. Karen loves to catch lizards, <laughs> you know? And uh, I don't know what she does with the app for that, you know? But uh, I see a spider, I stomp on it. You know, she can't, she screams to go the other way. I was walking in the garage one day, and in the dark corners of the garage, I see a little fella, a big giant cockroach. A cockroach, man, they're nasty. Now, you open up the covers sometimes, and they just come fluttering out, and you're just trying to duck. Man, they're, they're just nasty critters, and they're giant. And, and, and some of these cockroaches has an attitude. This one in the garage had an attitude. <laughs> I mean, you can see the bicep and the tricep as his little feet hit the pavement, and he's coming after me, and I'm standing in the way, and he doesn't care. He's not going to the left. He's not going to the right. He's coming straight at me. He's like, man, this is my garage. This is my house. How dare you, man, to walk in my garage? And here's what that little insect did not know. He did not realize how powerful I am. He's messing with the wrong guy. And he come charging at me, and I say, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this silly boy. Right? Gone. I showed him who's who. And he bugged like mine. He thought he was all that until he met me, and we took care of business. But oftentimes, you and I, we come face to face with God. We've done this. We've looked into the eyes of God, and because we think we have this degree, or that we have the position, or we make X amount of dollars. We think we got power, and we think we know what true power is. But we underestimate the power of God. And I've done it before, and I know that you have too. Is God really that powerful? We say to ourselves, oh, man, God is powerful. He is big. He is big. And oftentimes, we just don't realize how big he is, how big he is. He wants us to access his power. In fact, there was an Old Testament prophet. He forgot the same thing. He forgot about the power of God. I'm talking about a man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah, one afternoon, he was singing the blues. I mean, he's in prison. Everyone's making fun of him, joking about him. He was feeling really bad about life. He thought, man, God, I just wish you would kill me. That's how bad it got for him. And God's... And Jeremiah reminded him of who he was. And he said, hey, Jeremiah, listen to me, buddy. Just, just think. I want you to think about who I am. Because, You know, you think because I haven't rescued you from prison that I've lost my power, that I've lost my punch. You think I can't handle you. But Jeremiah, I want you to remember nothing is too difficult. For me, Jeremiah was reminded about the power of God in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, you are in control of all things. You've got this, right? He said, you made the heavens. You made the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Sometimes we underestimate the power of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. It said, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, so many of us, we realize we have a big, powerful God, but we, don't, we miss out on the power they has for us. We miss out the power of God in our lives. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 that he wants to share his power with you. He wants you to have it. But what's the breakdown? What is the missing link? What's the problem? How come we don't access the power that he has for you and for me? One word. Here's Here's the one word. Here's the breakdown. That little word called faith. 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 Faith is the missing link that keeps God's power from being released in our lives. Faith. And we see this over and over and over again in the scriptures. That the power of God is not released until someone takes a spiritual risk. Until someone takes a step of faith. And when they do, they're energized with the power of God we see the story in Exodus chapter 14. Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And God had manifested himself by cloud by day, fire by night. And he's leading them to the wilderness to go to the promised land. And as God led them, he led them to a dead end called the Red Sea. I'm sure Moses like, God, uh, did we make a wrong turn? Did we make a mistake? Did something happen? You know, did you mess up? And I'm sure Moses got looking around the coast of the Red Sea. Maybe he's looking for a pontoon boat. I don't know. Maybe he's looking for some jet skis. He's got hundreds of thousands of people behind him. And they're all starting to get a little nervous here. And say, Moses, what's going on? Now, why are we here? We're in a dead end. Meanwhile, you've got some mad Egyptians chasing them down. They had a change of heart. They want to capture them back. They want to take them back to Egypt. And so God, like Moses, have a little faith. I'm about to do some power and just show my power through you. And I'm going to reveal my power to the entire people of Israel. But I need you to take a step of faith. I want you to step in that water. I want you to step in it. And I want you to raise your staff, and trust me. Of course, Moses, he takes a step in in that water, and that water of the Red Sea laps onto his toes. He takes another step, raises his staff, and God's power revealed himself by splitting the sea in two, creating a dry path. We see this again 40 years later. The same group of people, actually the children of the, of the people that Moses had, you know, their children, the second generation, they get to the Jordan River, white water, Jordan River. The Bible says that the river was at its highest. It was, a, it was a rapid. And God said, okay, this is the time I want you to cross the Jordan River. In our eyes, we were saying, we would think, no, this is a bad time to cross the Jordan River. This is not a good idea. But God said, I want you to trust me. And he tells the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant. And he said, I want the priest to lead the way, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is the representation of God. And so they're carrying God, the representation of God, and they step into the water of the raging river. And when it did, that river divided into two, and the entire Israelites walked across. It all happened because of faith. When they took a step of faith, a spiritual risk. And so many of us, we play it safe. And the reason why you don't see the power of God in your life is because you're holding back. And you know that God is calling you to do something, but you're like, yeah, I don't know, That's too, it sounds too risky, it sounds too dangerous. But you know that God is speaking to you, and God is saying, listen, you gotta trust me. I will reveal my power, and you will have access to my power when you take a step of faith. Be like Moses. Be like Joshua. And see the power of God. The Bible says that we have a choice to make. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31, it said that we were sore like wings, like eagles. We were sore on wings like eagles. And you said, but man, God, I feel like a wounded duck. Maybe you say, man, God, I feel like an injured quail. I don't feel like an eagle. I don't feel like I can fly high for God. And you have a choice to make. You can choose to either act on your feelings, but I would say never to do that. Never live life based on your feelings. But make a choice, not on your feelings, but on what the word of God wants you to do. And obey God's word and follow after him. And lead life. And when you do, when we do that, we see God's power. It's unlimited. We see that God's power is purposeful and that God's power is transformational. God's power is available. Who is God? He's our comforter. He's a strength. But here's the third thing I want to talk about and it went down. The other thing about God is only God knows you. Only God Knows you. In fact, God knows everything. He's an all-knowing God. He knows everything. Psalm 147, verse 5. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. Hebrews 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. God knows you. He knows you more than you know yourself. But he wants you to know him just like he knows you. I want to give you some good news and bad news. But I I heard a story about this man that went to see a doctor. For a follow-up visit. And the doctor said, Sir, I've got bad news and really bad news. So the doctor, so the man said, Oh man, well, treat a great doctor, give me the bad news. I said, all right, In 24 hours, you're going to die. Wow, that's pretty bad news, won't you say? I mean, that's pretty bad. He's the man, that's terrible. But what's the really, really bad news? The doctor says, I was supposed to tell you yesterday. (laughs) Good news and bad news. Let me shoot it straight to you. The bad news. God is familiar with all of my sins. He's familiar with all of my sins. There's no secret sin that God doesn't know about. There are no surprises that God is not aware of. He knows all about your sinful ways. That's the bad news. He knows the sin that I've committed. He knows the sin that I'm going to commit today. And he knows about the sin I'm going to commit 10, 15, 20 years, 40 years if I eat properly. He knows all about it. He knows all about it. When I was in second grade, You know, in my school, my classroom, it was time for a spelling test. And if you're new with me, new with us here, I'm 80% deaf and I wear hearing aids. And um, and, you know, it can be a little bit of a challenge to hear spelling words and to hear it correctly and to get it right for me. And uh, so here I am in second grade and the teacher was giving the words And I was having a hard time. I knew that wasn't right. I was writing the words down. I said, man, I know that's not right. I need some help. And lo and behold, there was my little spelling book on the floor by my feet. And using my feet, trying to turn the page (laughs) to my spelling list. I see my words, and I write it down. And In fact, I get them all right. And I closed the book with my feet, and I kicked it underneath some stuff, and I thought, man, I've made it clean. I'm good. The teacher, the next day, he hands back the test, and I got a hundred on a test. I never get a hundred on a spelling test. <laughs> but then, my conscience started to bail down on my little second-grade heart. That constant that says, oh, Scott, you thought you were sneaky. But God knows. And I started feeling the guilt. I knew I didn't earn that 100. And so at the end of the day, I went to my teacher, and I took the test up to her, and I said, teacher, I cheated on my test. I did wrong, and I feel guilty about it. And the teacher looked at me, and she says, Scott, I know all about it. I saw you doing it, and I didn't say anything. I was just waiting for you to confess. You see, we have done that with God. We've tried to sneak past God. We try to get away with it. But you know, we got that sin. we got that guilt, conscience, weighing heavy on us. And there may be some of us here today, you're burdened by your sins. You're walking in with a heavy heart, with guilt on your soul. Sin. But I also want to say this. You can leave this place free, liberated. The way I felt when I went to my teacher, and confess up. You can leave here with a clean conscience, with a pure conscience. You can have a new life. You see, God knows all about it. That's the bad news. He knows all about your sin. But the good news is that He's ready to forgive you, He is ready to forgive you. You know what I love about God? Is that He doesn't put anyone in timeout. When you come to him and say, hey, God, I messed up. And say, oh, you did. Go hide in the corner, you know, and, and give me a couple of days. No, he's ready to forgive you right now. Right now. There's a beautiful story of forgiveness in Luke chapter 22. And we see Peter and Jesus having a conversation. Now, you know Peter. Peter's a big, bad fisherman. You know, he's pretty macho. A little bit of an ego. No, that's Simon Peter. Simon Peter also had a, a disease called foot and mouth disease. All the time. He had a foot and mouth all the time happening. And so here's Peter, you know, and, and, and we're at the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, and, and Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, he looks at Simon Peter and says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sip all of you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now, in the next few verses, you know, Peter responds back to to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I've got your back. I'm on your team. I'm with you all the way to the end. I've got you covered. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to fight for you. And then Jesus said, no, Peter, I know that maybe your intention, but I'm gonna tell you right now that before the mornings happened, the next morning happened, you're gonna deny me not once, not twice, but three times. You're gonna deny me three times. Jesus said, no, that's not gonna happen. We all know the story, it happened. It happened. And we wonder what happened with Peter. But the cool story about the cool story about Peter is that Jesus, even after Peter denied him, he forgave him. He forgave him for his denial. Have you ever wondered, though, what Jesus is doing right now for you and for me? He's doing exactly what he told Peter was doing in verse 32. If we go back to verse 32, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith, may not fail. You see, Jesus right now is praying for you. Praying for me. He's praying that we will come to a life of forgiveness. He's praying that we will come to the Father. He was praying that we will come to him. He's praying for us in heaven right now. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, therefore, he is able to save completely, those who come to God through him, because he always lived to intercede for him. The word intercede is a prayer word. He is praying for you. He's praying for me. And I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Jesus, in his infinite knowledge, he's praying for me in heaven, even though he knows that God's going to fumble, that God's going to drop the ball, he's going to rebel against God. He He'll praying for me because he wants to keep me from doing as much as wrong as possible. He wants to forgive me, love me. He wants to extend his grace for me. And he's praying for you. And he's praying that you'll come to a relationship with him. And if you're here today, we're talking about next steps. What's your next step with God? And for some of you here today, your next step might be, Give on your life to God and know that Jesus is praying that you will today. He is interceding on your behalf that you will come to the Father and say, Here I am. I am a sinner and I am in need of a Savior, that He will come and forgive me of my sins and give me a new life. Peter, He got a second chance. God wants to give you a second chance as well. He wants to give you a new life. To come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Who is God? He's a comforter, he's a power, he's a strength, and he's the God that knows everything about you. He wants to know you in an intimate way, and he wants you to know him back. Because the more you love him, the more you know him, it's the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you want to serve and obey them. In just a minute, I'm gonna pray. And in the first part of my prayer, I'm gonna invite those who need to take a next step in Christ. I'm gonna invite you to get to know who God is. And start a journey in a relationship with Him. That as far as you will go, as far as you know God, it's how you will grow spiritually. And for some of you, your first step is just to invite Him into your life. And I'm gonna do a prayer called a sinner's prayer. God, say some words for those who don't know Christ. And you can pray these words in the silence of your heart, believing that God wants to forgive you and come into your life. You know who's the cool thing? You're not praying it out loud. You're praying it to God. You're not praying it to me. And I'm I'm a broken man just like you who's in need of a Savior. There's nothing extra special about Pastor Scott. I'm just here to preach God's word, but I can't save you, but only God can. And today, for some of you, your next step is to know him. With eyes closed, head bowed, It says, God, you're talking to me. I need to know God, and I want to invite him into my life. And if that's you today, in the quietness of your heart, you can pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness of all my sins, my past sins, my sins today, and my future sins. And today I'm inviting your son Jesus into my life. Jesus who died on the cross for me, who was buried in the grave And then three days later, he rose again. I believe that he did that for me. And today, I invite him to my life so that I can have the comfort that he provides, so that I can have the strength that he provides, so that I can know him, love him, and obey and serve him. Come into my life. With eyes closed and eyes Scott, today I prayed that prayer. I just said that prayer and I've never asked Jesus in my life. I've never asked him to come into my heart. And if that's you today, I want to celebrate with you. No one's looking. But if that's you, we raised you raise your hand? We had a couple of hands this morning in our first service. But would it be more here today than the 11 o'clock hour that so I've asked Jesus to come into my life? Will you still quietly raise your hand? Is there anybody like that in this room today? Our Father, God, we thank you for your powerful word. We thank you that you're a God who saves. We thank you for all the songs that we've sang today to to magnify your greatness. And we thank you that you're a comforter, that you are a strength, and that you know us, and that we can know you. In your name I pray, amen.